we're here on a day that some may have thought would never come. Uh, the almost day before the actual official opening of Kensington Brewing, um, I'm really happy to be chatting today with Mike and Johnny. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat, guys. Thanks for coming in. It's been a long <laughs> time coming. It's been a long time coming. I emailed you about doing a podcast like two years ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you and I, I know, I've known you, Mike, for a long, long time. And um, I remember the days where things first got started. And it's really great to see this all come to life. So as I was walking down the street, I was like, I wonder where this place really is. Because I wasn't actually sure where specifically it was on the street. And you're right next to the bar, next door, which is pretty cool. Nice yeah. little strip here. It's, it's like 100 feet away from where the company started in the back of a restaurant. Yeah. Burger bar, so maybe 100 feet, maybe 150 feet. Yeah. So it took us, uh, what, five years to make it 150 yeah. feet. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So some people, some listeners may not know the history of KBC, that it did start in the back of a restaurant a number of years ago. Um, so why don't you take us through how it all came about and your involvement in the company and, and just tell us the origin. Okay, strap yourselves in. Okay. It's, it's a long, winding uh, story. Um, in 2011, our founder got together with Paul Dickey. So anybody in the industry or around Ontario Craft Beer will know that name. Kind of the grandfather of this sort of new wave of uh, brewing in Ontario, if you will. And they wanted to make... Uh, hoppy beer, hoppy pale ale, somewhat uh, based on uh, some products from, I don't know, Sierra Nevada and the States mm-hmm. and, and, and beers like that that weren't readily available in Ontario at the time. So they did that and it was sold as a house beer at the Burger Bar, which was uh, you know, a great burger restaurant, you know, organic greens, house ground burgers and so on. Mm-hmm. And the beer did really, really well and it kind of exploded and the idea was formed to sort of turn this into a proper company, into a, a proper, not just a house brand sold at a one location in mm-hmm. Toronto, but... Real beer brands. A real, yeah, a real brand, a real brewery yeah. uh, somewhere in the neighborhood. And there were lots of ideas about how that would happen. Maybe it would be in the back of the burger bar. Maybe right. it would be some, uh, you know, some sort of a cooperative between multiple brewers or a whole bunch of variations of, of this idea. Finally, a um, piece of property, the one that we're sitting in uh, today, 299 Augusta, uh, came up. We saw that it was being redeveloped. We reached out to the owners of the building, and uh, a long story short, we signed the lease. So, in uh, I believe it was January 2013, the Burger Bar was sold, and Kensington Brewing Company proper uh, kind of became an entity. Mm-hmm. And so then we added uh, Fish Eye was our second beer, big right. IPA. Again, at that time, there weren't very many IPAs around. Mm-hmm. We did watermelon wheat, uh, yeah. summer seasonal, which was quite successful, and. Uh, then we just went headlong into growing the brand, and we were able to do that really quickly for a couple of years. And then we started to run into a lot of trouble with the project. So right. uh, initially, we had some issues on the sort of city permitting, construction, development side. Uh, and then we had um, some protracted challenges uh, on the funding side and just kind of trying to get our act together as a company with the right people, the right expertise to get that done. And then more recently, um, again, back into what seems to be month after month of pretty senseless delays working with the city of Toronto. So that takes us from 2013 all the way to 2017, closing in on 2018. I can't Mm -hmm. believe that now. Um, Where the company has had really done a, 
it's an entirely new company. Uh, I say that all the time, but really, I'm the only remaining person from the original group back yeah. in, back in the 2012 when I started. Um, entirely new staff. We've rebranded. We've refocused on everything to try to do a better job at communicating what we think makes the company kind of exciting and connecting it to the neighborhood a lot more. Refocusing. Um, we no longer have a Gustale, which yeah. is kind of interesting because uh, that's what we launched the company on. That's where we had all of our preliminary success. But we've since added. Uh, we've got seven brand new beers that we produced in the past three months um, it, at 299, and we have a, a new Pilsner that we produce off-site, so we have that contract okay. brewed for us, and that goes just to the LCBO. So now, a really, it's a rebirth of the company. It's what we always originally intended to have, which was a place where you could innovate and do exciting stuff, control the process, and, and uh, participate in the beer community mm-hmm. rather than... Uh, sort of being on the sidelines so that's the yeah that's the condensed version well it is really cool to actually walk down um, Augusta and walk into a real Kensington brewing location because um, yes. that yeah. was a well long a dream and now coming to reality which is really yeah. cool so it's a simpler story now right people ask oh where's your brewery we, it's not some long convoluted story about what we're going to do eventually yeah. it's, no this is this it's is here it. It's re- we're sitting in, in a brewery. There are tanks yeah. right behind us. I am sitting at tanks. Yeah. Looking at tanks, sitting behind a bar. It's an actual thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to talk to... I want to just introduce Johnny, who I've met you um, because you were at BoshCon. Now you're here. Um, do you want to tell us about your beer background, for those that don't know you, and how you got involved in KBC here? Yeah. Um, well, I don't... I think you might remember, but I actually met you years and years back, sort of at the start oh. of my beer. Embarrassing. My transition into beer. Uh, I think it was, uh, did a bus trip to Buffalo. I think it was the only one. That was Were you done. on that? The Blue Monk trip. Oh my God. Yep. That trip was legendary. I just, I did a podcast with Mike Schatzel last month and we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, um, you were on that yeah. trip? Yeah. Oh my God. border delay. So when was that? That was, that was crazy. That was probably... 2006. Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah, you know what? It might have been 2008, 2009. You were like barely drinking age. Yeah. It was right when, <laughs> yeah, it was right when the Blue Monk opened. I did a bus trip that I organized through Bar Towel, and we did. I think we did a couple of brewery stops in Ontario on the way down, and then we went to Buffalo, and then we did the Blue Monk and the Buffalo Strip. And it was crazy. We made it onto the front page of the Buffalo News, which is Buffalo's daily newspaper, because it was the strangest thing that a busload of Canadians would come down to drink beer. And I kept saying, well, it's because we can't get the kind of beer that you have here. That's crazy you were on that trip. Yeah. yeah, Sorry, I don't remember you. That that (laughs) whole day was a bit of a blur. Yeah, that was a long 12 hours. It was a very long 12 hours. I remember when we, we, the bus pulled up uh, it, at Union Station. It's like everybody got off and nobody even said goodbye to each other. We were all so sick of each other and just needed to separate after that experience. Um, everybody just kind of got off and <laughs> we're done. vanished. We're <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah. Memorable day, though. Yeah, and uh, Mike, and, Mike at, in Buffalo still talks about it, which is uh, really cool. Oh, okay. Well, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so that was in my university years. Uh, that's sort of when I was first getting into craft beer. 
Um, but yeah, I had, I mean, going back to the start, start of my career, um, did university for something very different, communication studies and film studies, but worked at the LCBO for a long time. And oh, yeah. It was sort of on that early wave of sort of getting into craft beer when there was like so little choice and you had to really, you know, hunt down the things that you wanted. And uh, yeah, and then when the agri-college program rolled around, I was sort of looking at doing some sort of postgraduate and I was going to go lean more towards film, but then decided beer was actually where I was just more interested in and uh, ended up getting enrolled in the second year for Niagara College. And okay. So the spots at the time were pretty small, so I thought I'd take it as a sign and go down that route. And uh, yeah, since then, I uh, did the two-year program at Niagara, but I've been working for breweries pretty much across Canada. I uh, mm -hmm. did a little bit of time on the East Coast and PEI with Gahan House and oh, the group cool. up. Um, and then after that, I went, once I finished school, I went out west to Central City, uh, Brewers oh, and yeah. Distillers, yeah. just when they were sort of and they're transitioning from their sort of small brew pub in the Surrey Strip Mall over to uh, what's now sort of like their 75,000 square foot uh, sort of state-of-the-art setup that they were getting going. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was with them for about a year and then sort of came back to Ontario, uh, I guess it was probably spring of 2014, 2014, 2015 or so, uh, and then started up Boschgang Brewing. Mm -hmm. so, uh, sort of answering that, sort of take on their head brewer role there, and pretty much got in there about three, four months before things got going. And yeah, sort of got to start to develop that brewery, set up the recipes, get things going, and had about two years there, which uh, is a really good time. But uh, was sort of looking to go out west for a while again, so sort of took a break from there, went out to Victoria for about a year. Cool. And then, yeah, just about last spring was when I was looking to sort of come back to Ontario for good, and that's sort of when I came across the Kensington opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fond memories of Burger Bar sort of uh, back in my sort of early drinking days. Yeah. Like around the same time as that Blue Monk trip was also, I remember right. like going to Burger Bar and sort of seeing like the quirky washroom with the uh, the bird sounds. Bird, bird, bird noises. <laughs> bird noises, oh, yeah. yeah. It stood out. Um, yeah, so I always had really strong associations with that, uh, fond memories, so. Cool. Um, yeah, reached out and got involved and came on board here about last May or so, mm -hmm. part-time and then sort of full-time in September when things sort of amped up and got going. Great. That's good. Well, I want to ask you about the beers because, um, you know, Mike, we talked about sort of, you know, Augusta Ale being right for the time. Yeah, yeah. But times change and your life as KBC, there's a lot of things that have changed in the beer world um, since you've been involved in it. So when did you start to think about the beers that you were going to have um, available now and what went into sort of like your thought process and the recipe development because you know you've, you've seen that the beer world change so much mm -hmm. without having a brewery. It's kind of an interesting perspective to have as you're about yeah. to make your own beers finally after all these years of seeing everybody else do it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, actually. it was For a long time, it was kind of like watching the world pass you by, and you felt like, you know, either we all had a personal interest in doing some things that just weren't feasible or practical at the time, um, or we felt like, you know, we should be producing something sort of in this vein, or, or just, you know, the market changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, Augusta Ale was a crazy popular beer for a long time, and we kind of, really, we built a company on it to a certain extent, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped selling. Yeah. And there hadn't been any like fundamental change. And we modified the recipe a little bit, but at the end of the day we kind of feel like we exhausted that particular yeah. what it, it what ran it its was. Course. And what, yeah. yeah, it ran its course. So 
we decided to cut it loose, and that was fairly recently. I was at the end of 2016, actually. So okay. Geez, my my sense of time is just all warped into. Yeah. I don't know what day of the week it is, but. Uh, um, and I and so you're right. It was kind of a bit of a bummer, actually. And I think as a result of that, that and a whole bunch of other sort of factors, our company really shrunk. We went down to the skeleton crew and focused on just getting this project completed. So, to be honest, all of our brainstorming energy and that creative stuff was sort of tamped down for mm. a while. Uh, we didn't really have an opportunity or, or, or an outlet for it. Um, but we knew when we started down this new direction of focusing on the market first uh, of the neighborhood and of food in general that we had kind of some guiding principles about what we wanted to do. And we knew that it had to be, it couldn't be boring, you know, to put it simply. Like it needed yeah. to be something that was exciting and kind of pushing boundaries. Um, you know, and I know that Johnny had a desire to do that as well, and, and Wes, who's not on mic here, but uh, has really been cr- contributing to the recipes, definitely had that mindset as mm-hmm. well. So usually, you know, I'll let you speak directly to the beer, obviously, but, but the philosophy is try to incorporate our community in some capacity, whether it's through ingredient usage, collaborations, of, yeah. uh, philosophy, the names of the beers and things like that, uh, and also have it work or be interesting with various food pairings or using food ingredients. So the specific beers, though, largely... Um, from the minds of yeah. Johnny and Wes of being honest. Well, tell me about those because I, I mean, I'm walking in today for the first time and recognize a couple of the names on the board from your old, your older beers, but yeah. uh, less so with what's new. So do you want to tell us about what people can expect beer-wise here? Yeah, so when we decided to sort of build up the roster for what we wanted here, we knew we had a sort of set amount of taps. I mean, that was almost sort of set when we I think we found the fridge early on in this uh it's from ndl house ndl house's old retail fridge oh is it yeah, yeah. it's been prettied up spruced up a little bit nice Got some custom work done to it but <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah so right there that sort of answered the number of taps we're going to have so we're like okay eight taps is what we're going to be focusing on right now uh, and then just sort of try to cover the bases in a lot of regards sort of knowing you get a bit of a mixed crowd coming through the market mm-hmm. um Definitely, like when you're a destination brewery or people have to travel out to you, uh, sort of assume it's going to be a bit more of a craft oriented crowd. I find here it's probably a bit of a mix. So there's also just some general public who want to come by and have a beer. So uh, with a couple of brands that are sort of be a bit more approachable, like uh, there's a Nash Vienna Lager, that's probably like our safest uh, beer there. And that one we actually named it after the uh, Nash Market, um, which is uh, a market in Vienna. So it's a bit of a similar idea, it's sort yeah. of like the Kensington Market of Vienna. So we thought that'd be sort of a nice way to tie that in. Cool. Um, next beer is coming up we have is In the Weeds, and that's maybe sort of our first sort of alternative instead of the Augusta Ale. Uh, it falls in that same line as being a pale ale. Uh, it has a little bit of a Maris Otter biscuit undertone, so it leans a little bit on like one English leg, but it's mostly American for the most part. Um, and then we start to move into a few different variants. We've been working with three different yeasts here. So we have uh, the lager yeast, which we've been using, um, the American ale yeast for some of our more sort of hoppy-oriented brands, and also a Belgian yeast strain. So uh, we did a couple of Belgian beers off the bat. We did Gamel, um, which I think uh, we've... You guys, uh, Mike, you had sort of piloted that even before I came on yeah. board. Gamel, is, Gamel uh, means, like, roughly speaking, lunch pail. It's a, it's a grisette, so it's something we thought, you know, it's a type of beer you'd have at lunch as sure. for alcohol content, so, um, and we piloted that, like, maybe uh, almost two years ago as a style that we really liked that was, especially at that time, like, completely unheard of, but again, we had that age-old problem of, well, where do we make it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of was backburnered until recently. We've done two batches of it mm-hmm. here, so lots of gamel flowing. Yeah, and a pilot around September time. 
there's a little bit of a loop when we were sort of, uh, when I came on board, we're still getting this place up and rolling. So I think we did maybe about four or five different pilot batches, a couple that were for uh, cast days last year. Okay. Uh, so some of the, um, Gamel is the only recipe that we have currently on tap that we piloted out beforehand. Everything else was sort of like a just dude out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully this works. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not too much a chance to trial them out. But uh, yes, yeah, so on the Belgian side, we have Gamel. Um, also have Bonfem. Uh, which translates uh, sort of in French to the good hunger. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is uh, sort of a Belgian strong ale with hibiscus. And after that... Yeah, hibiscus is cool, though. Like, explain the... We got it from Carlos. I always like hibiscus beers. They made it... Uh, I'll let him explain it because it's complicated, but they, you guys made an extract, basically, out of it. Uh, yeah, we tried three different ways of sort of getting into the brew. Um, so the first step was putting it into the brew kettle at the end of the boil. Uh, just loose flowers right inside, and then we found out uh, when we started cleaning up that that was a very bad idea. They just kind of become <laughs> these gelatinous little jelly squids. Oh. Um, so on the second batch, because we had to do two two brews of it to fill a tank, uh, that time we actually had done a bit of a, almost a, a tea of it. So we actually took the first the first runnings off of the mash tun and actually just steeped that in a 50 liter kettle and just filled it with hibiscus, and then that sort of um, just marinated for about eight hours or so. And then we sort of dosed it in line just as we were sort of pulling the beer in. And then we also did a hibiscus edition uh, just as it went into the bright tank. So sort of cool. three different ways we added hibiscus in this case. Um, it doesn't impart hugely to the color. You do get uh, some of the aromatics. It's sort of like the strawberry and a little bit of banana coming through. Um, but it sort of pours like a rose gold. Mm. So it just has like a hint of pink to it. Nice. Yeah. Um, awesome. Good. Well, I mean, do you want to... Tell me, I mean, we're, we're sitting here next to the system. Um, uh, like, I, I saw some pictures on Instagram when, I guess, this sort of sort of arrived, I guess, it was last year. <laughs> like, two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, it's, it's sort of a cool space you've got, because it's almost like a, it's like a split level, two floors, you know, with an opening in the middle. Um, do you want to just talk about sort of what went into the construction and how you built build a brewery into what yeah. is a very tight space yeah. in Kensington because there's not a lot of production that goes on down here anymore. So it's difficult because um, most breweries, if you've ever been to a brewery, you'll know that it's basically a warehouse. Yeah. It's a big square box and um, you can move things in and out and there's a proper loading dock for 18 wheelers and you don't have to worry about neighbors or garbage removal in the same way that you do when usually you're in the middle of nowhere you're in yeah you're in if, if you're in the Big gta space. you're yeah. in tovaco or wherever yeah. and it's, it's cheap and cheerful and uh, but the downside is it's you're far away from everybody and they're yeah, usually kind of ugly yeah. right unless you've got a crazy budget and you can build it into some beautiful sort of space yeah. but that wasn't us um and we felt obviously kind of important to be in the neighborhood if we're going to call ourselves kensington brewing company you got to be down here so we sacrificed that um in order to have the benefit of being close to home and just to paint a picture for people listening, it's a typical Toronto building, long, narrow. Yeah. And we, in order to maximize our capacity here, to make the business as efficient as possible, we cut a giant hole in the main floor, and then we put tanks that are based in the in the that sorry that are in the basement. They come all the way up through the main sort of bar space, dining room, if you will, mm -hmm. of the main floor. So it allowed us to get a lot more capacity than if we had put them all in the basement or just on the main floor. So yeah. we've got four 45-heck tanks, one little 15-heck tank, which is our CSB tank for more one-offs and experimental stuff. 
and one 45 heck uh, bright tank, uh, one heck being 100 liters. And uh, we've got just behind a pane of glass, giant pane of glass, uh, the brew house. So you can see the whole process. And yeah. we were kind of selling people on the idea and getting them excited about it. It was, you know, it was about how it's in a very immersive design. Because you nice can and, yeah. literally reach out and for better or for worse, touch the mm. tanks. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, big wide opening with a cool kind of raw steel metal fabricated fence, very long, narrow, uh, poured concrete bar. It's, it, I think it's a very unique space. I think you're going to come here and, yeah. and feel well, like you haven't been to something like this before. I like it. It reminds me of a brewery that I've been to in San Diego called Mike Hess. That where you, as you walk in, you actually walk across a plank that goes over the brew house. And it's similar to this where you sort of feel like you're walking through it. And then yeah. you get to the dining and, and sitting space. Here, you're actually... You don't walk through it. You're just in it all you're the just time. There. Yeah. People ask so. us, you're going to do brewery tours. And I'm like, well, you're kind <laughs> of... You're looking at us. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just here. Uh, I don't know how we'd give you a tour, really. But, uh, yeah, some unique challenges, though, right? Um, in terms of the process flow here. Like, how do we yeah. get all of our ingredients in? How do we get all of our packaging materials, our empty bottles and boxes, and all of our... Uh, all of the chemicals that we use and so on. How do we get it in? And then how do we produce beer while we're here? And then how do we get it out? Yeah, how do you get yeah. it in? <laughs> so we have this, uh, again, right in front of us, we're looking at a, a, ho a hoist, a two-ton hoist that's attached to a steel I-beam that's structural uh, just above our fermenters. And that allows us to lift full skids of product. So we have like a, 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 wow. a series of straps like that kind of look like toe straps, and we lift up full skids of product in and out of the facility. So... Uh, Unusual, but pretty creative and actually quite effective solution to the problem of having two floors because we don't have an elevator, we don't have a freight elevator. Right. Obviously, we weren't going to bring up like dozens of kegs of beer at a time. That would you know kill us and wouldn't make any sense. So we've got this sort of it's almost an open freight elevator based on a on a uh, kind of a commercial hoist hmm. system. So that's very cool. We've uh, pretty fine tuned now. I'd say it was rough <laughs> for the first month or so until we figured out how to do everything. But, yeah. But yeah, it's working pretty well now. Great. Now, you mentioned that um, you got your last OKs to open yeah. soon. What can people expect from the space when you get open? Like what, uh, I know the tap room's been open for a little bit, but when everything is full systems go, what can people see when they come here? Yeah, so um, I think you're going to get an ever-evolving list of really cool beer first and foremost. Um, we don't have a full kitchen here, um, so we're focusing on snacks uh, first anyways. Very simple, things that are gonna w work well with the beers that we're producing. We'll have you know, basic uh, pairing suggestions and recommendations. And then I think we're gonna, throughout, you know, as we uh, as we progress, we'll kind of add some complexity to that. So yeah. we're gonna start to do some pop-ups with people. We wanna work Great. in culinary education, so you having cooking classes here. Um, all kinds of fun things like that just to sort of deepen our connection to the neighborhood and, mm -hmm. and again building out on the whole food concept but right away actually coincidentally we believe we're going to be able to open tomorrow uh, that's what we've been told and coincidentally we have a, uh, a chef coming in on Sunday uh, doing a little pairing concept oh, so we weren't sure if we were going to be able to serve alcohol so it kind of ruined it but now now it seems to be coming together now it's okay at the 11th Hopefully. hour so yeah bottle shop obviously which has been mm -hmm. open for about a week and a half now so you can come in we've got eight different brews in the bottle shop uh, great pricing actually we sell everything for six to seven fifty taxes in for a 650 mil bottle which okay. is like 
pretty crazy and might not last forever. <laughs> it's it's our welcome, you know, it's our, yeah, it's our introductory pricing, intro <laughs> promo pricing. Um, yeah, and, and some snacks and some good times and just casual atmosphere, um, Kensington-esque. Kind of the design is very, it's minimal uh, right now. I think we'll be filling it up with bric-a-brac and, and other yeah. memorabilia as, 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 as we, we go. As we go, but uh, it's all raw materials, right? It's all metal and steel mm-hmm. and white and, and steel I-beams and concrete. And we haven't even finished the floors and that's all intentional. Some people walk in and go, when are you going to do the floors? And we're like, no, that's it. No, it's done. <laughs> it's done already. Uh, exposed uh, HVAC and uh, all kinds of pipes and stuff. So very much a com- uh, sort of industrial looking in the middle of a densely packed uh, sort of residential neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you don't notice it when you're standing at the front door, but it does open up. And um, it's quite expansive you know, relative to the neighborhood once you get in the front door. So. Yeah, I have to say, it's probably, other than like Blue Banana or Zimmerman's or something, it's maybe one of the bigger yeah. establishments. You know, the unfortunate thing is our capacity is 40 people. If right. we went by, this is something I learned, if we went by space, like square footage, we could have 72, I believe, but mm-hmm. because we only have two bathrooms, it cuts down to 40. Does it? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. So if we built a staff bathroom somewhere, but you know, we decided it wasn't worth the time, yeah. so hmm. not sure where we built it, but anyways. Okay. Yeah. Um, What's your plan with your, uh, you talk about uh, being a part of the neighborhood, which is great. Do you see your beers available at places around here, or yeah. are you going to focus more here? So Paminar, two doors up, great cafe, shout out Paminar, uh, already carries beer that we produced here. So great. overall, I think uh, some people ask about, you know, do they want to be, do your neighbors want to be in competition with you, but like one... That's never really happened with us with craft beer. There seems to be a different kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And two, people are just pumped that we're actually here now because yeah. forever it was like, I don't really know about these guys. They just got the name on the can. They're not here. What's the deal? Now that we're here, people are coming in. They're interested. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's that. Yeah, of course. We want to be everywhere. We, I know early on we talked about maybe doing a small batch of beer that's just sold in the neighborhood. Something right. that has the input from you know, a variety of all the people here, the BIA maybe, stakeholders that talked about harvesting yeast off of the, the garden car. Oh, there's a oh yeah. There's a, like a, I don't know, like a five or six month sort of art installation, I guess you'd call it, which is an old Ford Taurus that's been filled yeah. with dirt and it just overgrows every year. I've there's seen like, that. Yeah. Well, it's been here for years. Number one yeah. most photographed thing yeah, in Kensington. for right? sure. It's a beautiful uh, mural behind it, so it makes a great photograph. But harvesting yeast off of that, I don't think we're going to get around to that because we've been a little bit busy this, this yeah. uh, summer. Uh, but uh, other than that, in terms of community work, we, we already started the program actually with, with a St. Stephen's House across the street from us. So there's a, a, a shelter across the road from us that also has addiction counseling programs and a career, uh, you know, the, the career uh, advising mm-hmm. programs of some sort, technical term for that. But uh, we obviously, being a brewery, felt pretty early on that we wanted to have open dialogue with them given that kind of conflicting purposes of sure, our businesses. Of <laughs> yeah. So we reached out to them really early on. And they're, they're amazing people. They yeah. do great work in the neighborhood in an area that needs it. And uh, so we have a merchandise program. We have two shirts. One is just the kind of standard uh, uh, staff t-shirt that we have. Mm-hmm. And the other is an artist series. So it's a rotate. Oh, that's another thing. Rotating Kensington artists. We Very cool. Kensington themed art on the t-shirt every, let's say, maybe three or four months. Anyways, proceeds from those t-shirts, every time you buy a t-shirt, it puts two meals on the on the table over at the meal program across the road. So just in terms of our charitable community work, again, you'll see there's a food focus there. So that's, that's yeah. just a little bit of what we've, what we've done right away. And 
the food that we're bringing in is all from local vendors. So, uh, Sanigans being uh, Sanigans of Blackbird being like the yeah. primary guys we're working That'd with. That'd be great. Uh, in that respect, we wish Thomas Labors was here because back when they were in the neighborhood, they used to do great pickled stuff. Yeah, it's a bit of a gap. Uh, we're working on a collab with um, uh, a chocolate place down on okay. Baldwin Street. Uh, Brandon Olson. Oh, cool. Just reached out to them earlier this week. So yeah. Now we have a now place things to do are going. These. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's this content, like it's stuff no, to talk it's, about. It's yeah. not just talk anymore. No, it's real. It's not just random ideas. We, it's not just it. random ideas. It's not just hey, what uh, whatever happened to those guys? Or are those guys gonna? Uh, is that is that a real thing? It's really nice to see that this actually is a real thing now. It's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always gratifying when a, vi- a vision comes to reality, even if it takes a lot of effort and testament to you Mike I mean you get, you've stuck with this for mm-hmm. I mean you've dedicated a lot of your life now to yeah. this project it must be pretty <laughs> yeah. great to see it finally all come yeah. together it's rewarding it's very nice to it, it's nice first of all to see it um, come to fruition even though what it is now is very different from mm. what we originally thought it would be yeah um, so for sure um, but it's crazy what, what's what's what I find it especially rewarding is the fact that there are a lot of other people who, you know, Johnny and Wes and Alicia and others who have kind of been wrapped up in this project and have the exact same degree of passion that I have, even though they came way, way after. Yeah. So, I mean, Johnny's been working here for a year, more or less, and he's only been brewing for three months. So there was all there was the rest of that 12 or 13 months at this point where it was literally just paperwork all the time, right. just grinding it out, trying to get it done, just everybody working planning. crazy hours. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, a testament to the to the concept, to the idea, and to the passion that people have that they can kind of come together and bust their ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great to see, man. I mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy for you and happy for the team. Um, yeah, it's awesome to see this finally come to life. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. As we wrap up, we're drinking a beer as I like to do during a podcast, sharing one with the guys and. Um, Johnny, I want to ask you about this. I'm going to mispronounce it, but it looks like it's called Kugla. Kugla, yeah. <laughs> and why don't you tell me about this one? Because be it's a tasty one. on the bottle. Um, so it's called uh, Kolka. Okay. Uh, Kolka Goza. If you say it fast enough, it kind of sounds like Coca-Cola. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one we brewed is a, it's a Goza. It's a little less traditional than what you're looking at. Um, in this case, we added lemon verbena to it, uh, which is a, herb that adds like a nice sort of lemony character um there's also pink himalayan salt for that sort of salty tone mm-hmm. cantaloupe juice we added to it and it's also dry hopped um so yeah what we put out so far is, is uh, probably one of the ones we're most happy with um timing is pretty good it's august it's like a nice tart summer refresher yeah yeah i can i mean it's certainly got the saltiness but i know how tricky that can be to get the balance just right and it's uh it's there without being to there yeah it's one of those beer styles where there's a lot of miscellaneous ingredients to go into yeah. it so without ever piloting it first you're sort of always a little bit cautious and you don't want to go overboard but I think this is one where pretty much everything we added was sort of just in the right percentage and it ended up sort of being on point in every way cool yeah um, Mike you want to go to the story behind the name it's a little bit obscure Kolka yeah so Kolka is a an Incan Inca term ancient Inca term I used it used to uh, describe a basically what is it like a dry storage house kind of like a I don't know like a, not like a cellar but like a drying house where you would mm. store herbs and corn and any sort of 
a selection of foods that could be dried and you could you know eat throughout colder weather and so on. So this this these types of kolkas, these storehouses, would be along uh, trails that were stretching sort of south and north in, in this territory. And the reason why we stuck with that is because lemon verbena also originates from that territory. So it seemed like cool. kind of a kind of a fun little nod to that that area and the and sort of uh, the origins of that primary ingredient because really mm. the beer is pretty defined by that yeah. by that uh, lemon that really fresh lemon character. Well, I guess the history of the name is kind of fitting because it's good that the idea of Kensington Brewery didn't dry up. Oh, <laughs> well done. <That> so, was... <laughs> um, anyways, guys, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Uh, congrats on um, this uh, coming to life, and I uh, look forward to having some beers with you uh, in the future. Tomorrow night? We'll see you tomorrow night. Sounds great. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys.